Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Aaron Vanderkoy with us here today, who is a certified health coach at Andrew Vanderkoy Wellness, herbalist, entrepreneur, heart-centered people connector, and facilitator. She's the founder of Power, Portland, Oregon Women and Entrepreneurial Roundtable and co-founder of women's grief retreats called Pause, Breathe, Restore. Her lifelong passion for food, integrative medicine, and helping people has cultivated her entrepreneurial wellness spirit and avocation as a people connector tracing back to her Dear Erin column and her school newspaper at the age of eight to launching a successful recruitment business at the beginning of the 2008 recession in London, England. Erin's life experience with irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, debilitating panic attacks, autoimmune candida, and navigating the grief after the sudden loss of her mom led to her advocate for a new nutrition paradigm and understanding the grief process and a coaching approach that is supportive yet direct and incredibly empowering through the plants and natural remedies that make sustainable long-term impact. Erin, welcome and thank you so very much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I forgot what I sent you. That's it was neat to hear all that right out. Oh my God, it was so neat to read it all too. It's just like I'm going through it all. There's like 50 things in there I want to ask you. And I know we only have a short amount of time. So, Erin, you and I were talking beforehand and, and you know, people have come up with some really, I think, unique ways to pass. The time of this recording is July 27, 2020. Some really unique ways to, to pass this time of COVID with restrictions on where we can live, how we can live. And you are sharing with me a really cool one that I haven't heard before and hoping you might offer it up to all of us so we can hear what you've been up to. Yes, I would love to. I'm actually really excited to talk about this. I didn't um, think about um, sharing this, but I think in, I think I'm going to write a little bit more about this experiment that I've been doing. So um, I was mentioning to you that uh, July I decided to take an Amazon fast and it's been really fascinating to um, kind of observe your behavior around, I mean, all sorts of different things throughout COVID, but in particular, I mean, I've always had a kind of a love-hate with Amazon. You know, sometimes you really need something and you need it quickly and it, it arrives and it seems so convenient, but then you have the guilt. Um, and in June, in our household, there's three, three ladies here and me personally really started ramping up. I mean, our doorbell was going every day, sometimes a couple times a day. And I was realizing that I was getting deliveries maybe three, sometimes four times a week. And our cardboard is stacking up in the back and I'm thinking this, this, there's all, this is trees and then the plastic inside. And, uh, and so I decided enough's enough. Cause I, was, I realized as well that I was getting that um, um, dopamine hit, you know, the doorbell would go and I go, oh, oh, you get the flutters and all excited and forget what yeah. you even bought. And so um, the month of July, I decided that um, every time I wanted to buy something on Amazon, I would put it into my little basket and I would try and find it locally as a first step. And, uh, or I, I, what's been interesting is that I realized there's things in there that I didn't even really figure that I needed after a couple of days thought as well. And so in the first week, you know, I'm throwing loads of stuff in the basket and I've been doing an analysis. So at the end of the month, I'm going to be able to say I bought X amount locally, which feels so much better. I can use my reusable bag. I'm supporting local businesses, which I always tried to do in the past and have done in the past. But, um, and then uh, what I, I didn't buy at all and ended up going out. And then maybe what I still might need um, and see if there actually, I'm hoping what, if there is anything in there that I do feel I still need at the end of the month. 
um, and then I'm gonna write out the whole analysis. And uh, yeah, it's just been a really interesting experiment. And um, um, yeah, it took about a week and the dopamine effect started to go away. I mean, the girls still get a few things here and there, but I felt felt really nice to let that go and think, oh, don't need to know what's out there in the box. Or, um, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it's just interesting in our habits, what we can slide into unknowingly and then pull ourselves back out from and just observe and get curious. I was going to ask you about that. So did you notice that there was a, a withdrawal from it? Like that withdrawal? Oh, sure. Really? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for about a week. Um, it took about a week. And I, I think about this in a lot of things. Um, you know, our, our taste buds change after what, seven to 14 days. So I'm drinking, I'm just realizing I'm getting really hot as well because I'm drinking this tea right now. Um, but uh, there was a stage where I felt like I could never uh, not, I lived in England for 14 years. So I always, at the beginning of my time there, had a, a dark cup of tea with milk and two sugars. And I couldn't imagine drinking tea without milk and two sugars. And now the idea of that is so revolting to me. You know, I drink my tea pretty much black or, or straight up for the herbs. But um, yeah, it's just interesting to um, see things change over time. So yeah, it was probably about a week to 10 days and then it went away. <laughs> you, mentioned, you mentioned putting stuff in your, your basket and then realizing that there was some of it you didn't need. Do you feel this process has made you more conscious of what you shop for, how you, and why you shop for it then also i guess kind of a piggyback on that did you find that because i've often wondered this with myself with amazon i i realized that amazon the convenience of it it affords me to cater to any impulse i have yes. and i feel like i'm fairly self-disciplined but then when i get some of the stuff that comes from amazon and thankfully like uh, you know a lot of my impulse buys are, are books or something like that Guilty. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I justify it like that, right? I'm justifying it to you and whoever's listening right now. I'm totally justifying it. Yeah, it's inspiring. You know, I just talked to somebody said, so get this, and I want to get it so I don't forget, you know, all those, <laughs> all those things I go through right now. And I'm wondering, like, how much of uh, awareness have you had of, like, your own impulse because Amazon provides such a convenience to be impulsive? Well, I think it lines it up with everything that we experience these days is that fast satisfaction, right? Everything is click, click, and boom, you have whatever you need or you want at any time. Um, so yeah, and it's interesting that you brought up books because books definitely a big thing for me on Amazon. And that's the thing that started this whole fast for me is because there's a local bookshop up the road. And when I realized they were open, because see, my excuse for all of this was I can't buy anything anywhere for a little while. And that's how I found myself in this trap because I didn't, I haven't been a huge, I mean, just not that bad but um and so i spent a couple extra dollars and i rode my bike to the shop between specific hours to pick it up and you know it yeah it wasn't as easy or simple but um it felt really good and the the again on the book front that's the only time that i came this close i think it was about 10 o'clock at night and i don't, don't usually I'm not usually on my phone at that late at night but i wanted this herb book i wanted this herb book so bad and i thought well it's used and i'm never gonna find it local and what it, it was the last copy and i went jesse i went all the way this is the only time i've done this in the last month but all the way to the very very end and i almost pushed it and i didn't and i woke up it was i woke up the next morning it's like you know not having a glass of wine or something right I woke yeah. up, but i didn't do it yeah. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself but in terms of consumerism absolutely i mean one of the biggest things for me during COVID has been just looking around and feeling so grateful for all of mm -hmm. the things that I have and food and um, 
there's nothing that I need technically. Right. And so it's, it's hard with that mentality when you're, I mean, the last thing I bought on Amazon was a um, thing for my iPhone so I could run. Right. And I thought this is again, like the books for you. Right. I thought I want to go for runs. My headphones are falling out because I couldn't hold it anywhere. And it was awkward. practical. makes perfect sense to have. I'm so glad that I got that in in June because <laughs> the idea being ladies and gentlemen is that at the end of July, I'm not going to be shopping on Amazon anymore. I know it in my heart from having this experience. Mm. And what I think will be neat and why that now I'm realizing more and more that I want to write about it and share about it is that um, it might get other people thinking as well, right? There's, we think it's this convenience and it's added benefit and it's just not necessary. It's, I don't want to be like, I need to consume, consume all the time. We're, we're marketed to and taught this and let's back out of it a little bit, especially with the Amazon thing. You know, when two or three different trucks are showing up at your front door every day, my office is downstairs so I can see them coming up and I'm thinking, you know, something's not right about, I mean, we know that we're going to see the drones at some point, right? Yeah. In a lifetime probably. So I think they're already uh, testing the drones. Oh, they already exist? Yeah, okay. I, I think they, they're already testing. I think in San Francisco and Seattle, they were testing drone drops, one hour drone drops. And we just got an Amazon uh, in, in like our main, in Santa Barbara, the main street is State Street. So there's an Amazon that just took a, a spot there. And I think I had heard they were talking about then testing drone drops out of there for the local area for certain items. It is so bizarre. And we were talking a little bit about this before as well, but I don't know if I said it quite like this, but do you ever think about just in our lifetime, what we're going to witness? I mean, I, I, being the age that I am as well, like I remember when my phone was attached to the wall and I would press play on my answering machine when I got home after school or wherever I was, you know, and then there's the internet and cell phones and I mean, and the drones and, and then COVID and I mean, masks, whoever, I was standing in the grocery store the other day and I, you know, you've got your mask on, you can hear them reminding you to stay six feet apart. And I, I'm sure that a lot of people watching or you felt this as well, where you just have this wash over you of thinking, where am I? Yeah. <laughs> what is even happening right now? But yeah, we're going to, and we're, this isn't even that, I think the ice tip of the iceberg. I mean, we're going to see a lot. Yeah. I, I, I think I told you before, and I am fully predicting alien invasion by the end of the summer. Cause I've been thinking the same thing too, is it's, it's just like, there's, I feel like the, it's changing so fast and it does, it feels like we're in some sort of sci-fi futuristic fiction novel. And then on top of it, it's it, it's the our our affinity for what's clickable now is so much so like and Amazon and it's interesting like I, I find it so fascinating that we will we will often use terminology like addiction and restrict it to alcohol and drugs but we won't we won't apply it to things like Amazon or sugar consumption. Even though we know that more people die, we could argue directly and indirectly from sugar consumption every year than alcohol and drugs by a factor of like 50. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so, but we won't, we won't say that there. We'll, we'll say something else. And so it is, it's, it's, it's absolutely fascinating to see all these things come out. And I think that we were chatting about this beforehand. I think one of the really incredible things as an observer, at least during this time for me has been, I feel like a lot of people are asking questions. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, I, I, ask better questions. Yes, yes. Like it really is. Like I feel like I've had some incredible conversations, Aaron, with people who 
I rarely ever hear them question anything. They're kind of like, they'll have their source, their belief system, and that's that. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's just, that's the way they're going. And they're going to watch this news source because that's what their family watched or that's whoever watches. They're going to have this belief system. And that's just always how it's been. And now I've seen people starting to ask questions and starting to have even question some of their own beliefs and to look at them differently. And I've, I was telling somebody this earlier today. And for me, one of the things that's been really, I, I've always been one who like, I feel like I had to have the answer versus it was like a, a responsibility because I so desperately want to serve and help people. But then also there's a part of me that wants to feel like yeah, being of service is a way that I can feel like I'm, I matter and I'm lovable. Right. Mm-hmm. And what I've really come to, I would love to just say fully embrace, but dipping my toes into more <laughs> is, is not needing to have the answer, but looking for better questions to ask. Yes. Right. Yeah. And that it's okay to change your mind. Yeah. Sometimes people think, oh my gosh, I've been fighting for this and so passionate and so adamant about it. I could never, no matter what is little intuition is going off in my head or my gut is telling me, no, never say that I was wrong and, and believe something else now. And of course you can. Yeah. You know, room for that. And um, yeah, what else is possible, right? What, how, how do we, how do we move forward? What do we, how, how do we get over there? Um, rephrasing things creating space and room and yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's tragic how wrong we have made being wrong. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's like how we've almost, we've almost demonized wrongness so much that it's, it's, we feel so, I think a lot of people feel so scared to even to allow themselves to explore because there's these massive consequences that come with it. And versus if we were to embrace changing our mind and it not having to be a right or wrong it's just it's it's learning it's just the same as i mean you know we allow for history right i think most of history we probably learn in in school you start to read like how much of a biased perspective that was shown and i i don't know about you but when i was in college i remember half the stuff i was taught was from the professor who was standing in front of the class teaching it and selling their book for a hundred and some dollars and then they'd say, oh, yeah, but I'm generously donating 10% of the proceeds to a charity or something like that from students who were struggling to pay our food, but you're going to charge 150 bucks for textbook. And, I, I, you know, I just think it's something that's so interesting. It's like, what if we embrace it's okay to be wrong? It's not wrong to be wrong. It's, it's okay to be wrong, and it's okay to learn. It's okay to ask questions, and it's okay to change your mind. I love changing my mind. If someone teaches me a better way or a new a new way to think about something, I'm over the moon. I'm mm. so, you know, grateful and thank you for asking that question or for um, explaining it in that way or, you know, how wonderful. Now I know something else. Have you always been that way, Erin, with that? Yeah. What, so what, what happened, like what transpired then for you to be, be that way? Because I think that it's so cool to hear you say that and to see you say it because you're so congruent with it. And I feel like there's so much resistance from so many of, well, you're not changing my F and mine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I mean, I, what springs to mind immediately is perhaps um, moving a lot as a, as a kid. And Mm -hmm. so always kind of um, watching and listening and looking to how, adults or other kids or people were thinking or interacting or um empathy maybe uh, but i i actually think it's a um just a really genuine deep 
curiosity. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to be curious about everything till the end of my days. Hmm. You know, is that, is that, is that, um, is that true or is there more? Is that the way I think it is or could I think about it in a different way? Um, I don't know. And so I guess maybe one of the reasons you're asking is, you know, how do you, how do you teach that or how do you create space for people who do? Is it pride? Is it frustration? Is it uh, a shame or embarrassment to, to go back on what they believe in? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it's the mindset of always wanting to grow and learn, mm. right? And maybe some people aren't as, don't want to learner i don't know <laughs> I'm not, not making it very profound <laughs> no i think i think that's i think that would be a fun rabbit hole for us to explore sometime yeah, maybe eh? <laughs> we were also chatting beforehand about plastic oh no yes talk to me about plastic for you well you know what that is such an awesome segue from what we were just talking about because I, this is so perfect. It's a perfect segue. So I started recycling in my house when I was 11. So I'm 42 now. So that's 31 years ago. When I think three decades, 30 years, and we're in 2020 and you know, how much progress would we have made now if we were thinking about recycling back then in the eighties or nineties, whenever it was. And, uh, I've always considered myself to be someone who is very aware and cares about the environment and animals and people and, and yet <laughs> someone who would never ever buy plastic bottles unless I was traveling, traveling in Vietnam recently and we had to in certain parts, right? Um, if somebody knows a, a way around that, please let me know. We'd really love to learn or know. Um, but I got really into making homemade shrubs, which is an apple cider vinegar, honey um, kind of infusion. And you put sparkling water with it. And so I went to Costco and I bought a case of sparkling water and I got it home and I went to go grab the very last bottle out of the case and I went, oh, oh, I bought a whole freaking case of plastic soda water I was just looking at it and it took me not only shopping for it bringing it home using all 24 however many were in there it took to the last one that I was gonna go put it in the fridge where I went oh, I almost dropped it it was crazy and uh, it happened to coincide with um, Eventbrite tells you about events you might like mm -hmm. and one of the things I used to love to do in England was go to a documentary or an independent film and at the end you'd have a Q&A session with the director or the actors and it was so fun and Eventbrite was doing this thing online about plastic. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So they sent you the link to watch the documentary and then you had a discussion about it afterwards. And so I went back to Costco um, just before watching this documentary and I'm in Costco and I'm, I'm so proud of myself. I am gonna find glass sparkling water bottles for my shrubs, right? So I do my Costco shop, I buy my case of sparkling glass bottles. I get home, I sit down in, in my room in space and I set up and I watch this documentary which was very upsetting, but also very eye-opening in so many ways. And after I watched it, I realized, I sat back thinking something's not right and what, what is sitting with me so wrong? Because I was so proud of my Costco shop. And I reflected back on that shop and I, I realized that that case of glass bottles was wrapped in plastic 
Mm. That the three organic cucumbers that I love, because they're organic and they're three, and they're only like four bucks or something for all three, were not only individually wrapped in plastic, but then wrapped in plastic again for all three of them. And I started to think about my shop, and I realized that there wasn't a single item that I purchased from Costco that didn't have single-use throwaway plastic on it. And I just felt sick, because I had just learned not to buy a case of plastic water bottles, right? I mean, oh. I knew that lesson 20 years ago, but or 30 years ago even. Anyway, and it was the very first time in my um, whole adult life that I snapped out of being duped, that I realized that this wasn't, and yeah, for me as a consumer, you should see all the small changes I'm making. And it's amazing when you start to realize that I'm changing my shampoo to bars. I'm changing, you know, my deodorant is now a refillable one they're gonna send in the mail. Um, but I always thought it was our responsibility. And that film for the first time in my entire adult life made me think, and I couldn't believe it because I'm not, I'm a fairly intelligent person. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna blow my own, chew my own horn or what have you, but where about the source? I mean, I can't believe that I didn't even think to start there, right? And um, so I'm starting there. I mean, I'm continuing here and and really making big waves on that, but. I want to start now figuring out how to get on get into affecting legislation and I mean I could go on and on about this um, the money that they're spending and making on recreating more even in 2020 everything in the shops is is single-use plastic unless you really actively work against it and it's not easy but it's also it's us and it's getting them right so anyway <laughs> thank, you so thank you so much for sharing that Aaron and I want to ask because I feel like a lot of folks have this conflict of, and there's almost thematic with this, right? There's a conflict between convenience and what's on your heart. There's a conflict between uh, ease of access and what's on your heart. I think most of us are probably conscious enough or at least aware enough to realize that we probably, there's a tremendous amount of plastic we go through and we waste. And I'm, I'm willing to bet that most people who are listening and watching this have thought at least once that, gosh, I, I sure would like to use less plastic. But then you're going back with that wrestling match of con convenience, mm -hmm. of the just the nature of consumerism, right? It just seems like we we bind everything together with it, and, it, and maybe there's an extra dopamine hit that comes from ripping through one more layer of something. Who knows? But I'm wondering, because I, I imagine the adjustment, just like with Amazon, it's it's probably a little bit uncomfortable. But I'm really curious, like in leaning into your heart with this and really making that shift. Like, what has that experience been like for you? Have you felt like it's, it's opened something up? Do you feel like it's bringing you more into alignment with a, a more true purpose of yourself? Like, uh, you know, can you expand on that a little bit? Cause I'd really love to know. I feel interestingly, the first word that came to mind, which is interesting was lighter. Hmm. The reason I say it's interesting is because it's, 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 it's not really lighter. It's way more complicated to be thinking about this all the time and to work against the system that's crashing down about, you know, how convenience and ease and, um, but it does, there's something that feels much lighter to me about it. And maybe that's part of the belief that I, I really do believe that one single individual person can make an impact because that's how we all build up and, and work towards something together. You know, you look at these protests that are going on. It's just, it's incredible. Yeah. So, um, yeah, lighter and um, also uh, more connected. So more connected with 
being present and, and having everything that I need really. So do I really need to buy that thing? Um, also, I learned a lot about where plastic comes from and the reason that these big companies like Procter and Gamble, Nestle, and the reason that they're producing more and more is because they, they use petroleum products. Hmm. And that's becoming cheaper and more accessible with all the fracking and all the things that they're doing. So then they need to find a place to turn that into money and income, which is through turning that into plastic. And again, without having known that before, even really questioned, asking better questions about where plastic comes from. Now I'm looking at my three organic cucumbers wrapped in petroleum. Wow. Right? Like, I mean, I can't, and I, I'll try not to, poor Costco. I'm probably going to not be able to shop there much anymore. I love Costco conflict, clearly. Um, and I won't name other names of other places because I'm going to have even harder conflicts with some of those. But um, there's something about, you know, and it takes a little bit of pre-planning, but going to a farmer's market and getting my veg for the week and putting it into cloth bags. And, you know, I don't, I, I just got, and I know this is a luxury. It feels a little bit um, um, luxurious um, and not, not everybody can do this, but um, I mean, it's the first time in my life I've done it. I bought organic sheets, mm. you know, and cotton is, is the highest pesticide uh, content out there. So those little things that we can do. And I, I think that those of us, when you, if you're able, then it's going to bring that cost down as well for other people to have access for it as well. So if you can spend a little bit more, if you can spend the extra couple dollars and get on your bike or in your car and go to the local bookshop, you know, do. And most of us, most of us can spend an extra dollar and get off our butts and go to the store to support another person's business rather than the 1%. I don't know. I went off on a real tangent there. I, no, no, I think there's something. And I love it too because you're saying it's a luxury to do it, but I think it's also it's like a it's the luxury of responsibility. Yeah. In a sense, right? Because if you have if you have the ability, the means, the access to stuff, it really is. It's that one. I remember being on this beach once in Puerto Rico. And it's this absolutely incredible, incredible beach. And there is a trash can there that was so filled and overflowed with plastic bottles and trash that it was spilling out onto the beach. And then when you'd wade out into the water, you'd see like a, a almost a line in the sand, literally a plastic that had started to flow down to the ocean. It's so sad. It was so sad. I was sitting there and I remember thinking like, gosh, if everybody were to- just, One piece. Yes, yeah, and take it home <laughs> or put it away, that it would be gone. Yeah. It would be gone and I, I long had this, this this fantasy of creating a, some sort of charitable thing where people would get together at like cool places around the world and do a massive trash cleanup on like a beach or a public space. And then you would set up some sort of local recycling or thing, thing in the community and within the local community there. And then you'd have like a cool barbecue or whatever bonfire type thing. But yeah, if it was just, it's the one piece I, I love. I think it's a luxury and it's the responsibility of a luxury in that, that if you do that one thing and then, you know, just, you sharing that, I can imagine people listening and watching, it inspires them to do the one thing. Like even you saying it, I, I'm sitting here hearing myself going like, why do, I, why do I take my produce and put it in a plastic bag? Because it's not that I'm worried about germs and, and putting it in the plastic, because when I bring it home, I, I, I just take it out of a plastic bag and eat it. Mm -hmm. You know, I might rinse it off lightly, which I would do the same thing if I just put it in a basket or put it in my reusable bag. So why do I put it in that extra piece of plastic, you know, and I, so I appreciate you bringing that to awareness because I think that's where the responsibility piece can come in, right, is, is just being willing to do that and going against that, the uncomfort of convenience.
it, yeah. it helps raise awareness. It's also education too, right? Right, Because people might, and asking better questions, people might get stuck with that thinking, well, it keeps my produce fresher longer. So I'm gonna spend my money and I want it to stay fresh in my fridge. Whereas you can do, so cilantro, you can put in a, in a cup of water um, and it'll last two to three weeks if you have it in water in your fridge, right? But people say, oh, but it has to be in the bag. No, it doesn't. There are alternatives. You ask better questions, educate, uh, and, and, and find out that, because I think that's what a lot of people get stuck is they just think it's convenient or I do it for a specific reason. Um, but two things that pop to mind is one, the organic produce. I don't know what, uh, probably in California, it's probably been great for a, a long time. Well, you would think maybe in Oregon too. So I've been here since 2014 and it used to have the tiniest little section in one of the major grocery stores here. And now it's half, if not more. Wow. And I knew that by buying that produce, I was going to be part of that wave of it being more available and a little bit lesser price. And then also just one other thing with the purchasing of the responsibility thing um, with the sheets, you know, you can find uh, companies that give back, right? So if you buy something, and a lot of these um, eco-friendly companies that have um, uh, biodegradable packaging on dish soap or whatever it might be, they also give a percentage of their profits to an organ organizations that do good for the environment. So you can have this knock on effect if you do a little bit of research as well, mm. you know, and I know a lot of people think, well, I might not have the time or just little tiny changes, of, just little incremental changes. And don't beat yourself up if you don't get it right. Like the plastic water bottles horrified, but I'm, I'm now educating because it's a funny story, right? The last one, <laughs> it was like a hot potato. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, I want to ask you. So, in addition to fasting from Amazon, crusading <laughs> against plastic, you also run a entrepreneurial group for women, and then do some work with grief. I was hoping, I was hoping two things. One, I was hoping you could chat a little bit about each of those, and the second thing is, is, and I don't know if this is so much of a question, question as it is in a statement. So you can you can play with it however you want. I think it's so incredible to having this conversation with you and seeing the variety of passions you have. And we haven't gotten to the professional stuff yet because I think sometimes in this entrepreneurial space, you are often gently nudged and maybe even pressured into niching down and focusing on one thing and being known for that one thing and that's it and, and whatnot. And, and I've struggled with that immensely because I have these other pieces of, that are passionate about. Each of them feels like they're an important part of my heart and why I'm here. And it's always felt anytime I've tried to ignore one at the expense of another, like I was doing something wrong, that it just wasn't, that wasn't the right fit. So I just, yeah, maybe it's just acknowledging you for that. I really think it's incredible that you are willing to, you know, put yourself in these different spheres and to share of yourself so generously in each of them. And it seems that each of the things we talked about now, and we're going to talk about right now, they are important pieces of your heart. And I think it's just so incredible that you're, you're choosing to honor that. Oh, thank you, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, 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 I mean, it's super inspiring. And so, okay. Talk to us about a little bit about the, the women's entrepreneur group, and then also the work you're doing with griefs. Uh, so the women's entrepreneur group is called power, which is Portland, Oregon women entrepreneur roundtable. We named ourselves that at the beginning of 2019. Um, this came about, uh, in the beginning of 2000 and 
18, so it'll be three, almost three years soon. And I just kept meeting the most incredible women here in Portland, really incredible women, um, badass business owners, entrepreneurs, really staying true to themselves and what their unique talent is and gift to the world and then running with that. And I think that's so, so important. I think we are all here for a reason. And I think that if we can figure out what that special gift is that fills us with joy, but also makes an impact and is a contribution, and then we can turn that into a business. I mean, wah, you know, that's what we really all ideally want to be doing. I, I really believe that that's the truth for, for everyone. Um, and so I kept meeting these incredible women and I thought, what would happen if um, I was, my ex and I uh, had a bar uh, on North Mississippi. He's still there. It's an amazing, well, not open, but an amazing bar. And um, he said, you know, we're not open during the day. We have this space. And he actually really encouraged me. And I, at, from, from day one, it was so cute because, I'm oh, sorry, I'm going on a bit of a rampage, but he was sweet. I made a Facebook event page and he said, how many people do you think are going to turn up? And I said, oh, 20. He goes, how many people said attending? I said, oh, 20. And he goes, oh, <laughs> he goes, well, you know, just so you know, if it's a couple turn up, it's a success. And I was like, okay. And I went there and 20 people turned up because that's because I emailed them all individually days before. Anyway. Um, We've grown from strength to strength, and I'm just in awe of this community. It, it I mean, I, it's weird, because they say um, they're very sweet and kind, of, and we all believe in energetics, and um, uh, they're very sweet, and they say, you know, you're attracting this, and we say, you know, thank you, I'll receive that. At the same time, I create this container, and you guys all fill it out. I mean, there is no competition. Um, this is kind of our community agreements from day one. I've said no competition. Look, if you see someone stand up that does something similar to you, that could be your biggest ally. You know, that's who you want to collaborate with and learn from and share your stories. And um, we don't, it's no sales. We're there to just lift each other up. Um, it's an incredible heart, heart center community. So we have two speakers every month. Uh, we're online now, of course. Uh, but before we went online, we were, it was about 70 ladies turning up every month. And half of those were returning members and half were new. And it's all word of mouth, you know, there's no advertising. Um, the, yeah, what's happened in that group is, is, is just been pure magic over the last few years to witness and watch and the community. Yeah. Is, it, is it open for anyone, any, any females to attend in the Portland area? And with you doing it virtually, are you opening up to women from out of state to attend too? Yes, absolutely. Since we're online and probably will be for the foreseeable future, um, absolutely. I mean, you can, you can definitely network on a global, I've had people attending from BC, where I'm from, Canada, um, but I would love to spread that word a little bit more. Um, it's, it's always, um, you always leave feeling uplifted and kind of float away for a little bit. The, the two speakers have 15 minutes each and that's really to get to know the community members on a deeper level. So when we go out into the world, we can recommend them, but there's no reason why someone from California or England um, wouldn't get something out of, out of the event. And we're doing them 10 a.m. to 12 noon on every third Saturday, but I'm taking August off um, just to have a, a month break. I also started a group called PDX Collaborative, which is the same structure, but is open to all genders or all people. And it's been really cool to, to mix up the energy there and have a little bit of the, the um, a little bit of different energy, but with the same heart-centered um, approach and structure. So that's every last Tuesday of the month, and that's called PDX Collaborative. And again, you could attend from all over. It's um, I've included Portland in both of these names, so I'm wondering if I were to grow it a little bigger, how that would work. But yeah, for now, it's figure that out later on. Long like that, yeah. <laughs> and then, 
Aaron, tell us about your, your grief work really quick because I want to make sure we mention yeah. that. So I partnered with Sarah Shaul, who is one of the most phenomenal, incredible, beautiful, amazing humans on this planet. Uh, and we created Pause, Breathe, Restore, which is um, grief retreats for women. And we recognize all forms of loss. So death of a loved one, divorce, estrangement from family, um, personal illness is another form of grief. And I mean, gosh, we all are know the experience of grief, especially over the last few months. Um, so we're open to all, we're not doing in-person retreats at the moment and we're, we're doing a little bit online. Um, I would highly, highly recommend checking out, um, Sarah Schoel's podcast, which is called Grief, Gratitude and Greatness. It's, she's got some amazing interviews on there. So anyone experiencing any kind of grief or loss, that would be a good resource. And we have some stuff online, but we'll be picking it back up again when we start going into the retreats and trying to think about how we maybe get creative around that, um, while we're in our current current position, I guess, to see how that works. So my health coaching, I do incorporate some grief work into that. Um, the Erin Vanderkoy wellness is, um, I put together six month wellness programs for people and, um, help them figure out their optimum health through a whole holistic approach. So there's some grief work involved in that. Um, if, if people are looking for that specifically there as well. I love that you, you include all losses and you're not, I think that that's something that often gets misunderstood in the face of death. We, we, we may tend to minimize the impact of a loss of a end of a relationship or a loss of a job and how deeply it can impact. And I think that it seems that for many, you know, sometimes the, the relationship ending is much harder than somebody physically dying. And for some losing a job can be harder than somebody physically dying or ending a relationship. Uh, so it's, it's really or even I think there's an identity loss that comes from getting sick and yeah. going through things like, so and I, I that. yeah. And I think it's important to remember that there's no, there's no comparison. Yeah. So, you know, you have these, you have these um, kids who are graduating, supposed to graduate this summer and they can't do, I mean, you've, you've gone to school your whole life. And yet someone might say, well, that's hardly, they've got, not got it bad. What about so-and-so who lost their, you know, their, their, friend or you know someone actually passed how can you compare you, you can't compare because to that that high school graduate that's the biggest loss they've experienced today yeah. possibly and that's you know that's their loss to experience and so it's really important not to to compare grief that everybody is right in their grief and there's no right or wrong way to go through your grief because there's just so much in it and recognizing that the grief, the collective grief that we're in right now is massive. And for people who maybe have, who haven't had a loss, um, that it might be quite confusing because the, the, the roller coaster you go through is, is no joke, you know? And then for some people who've already experienced a profound loss, you have an additional loss, which maybe might not feel as profound or as deep, but it affects you. You're, you're thrown back into it because you've, you've, you've had that intense grief previously. So you know, it's all layered and waves and there's no right, right or wrong. And, and um, don't compare yourself. If you're feeling any kind of grief, it's your grief. And it's, it's, it's potent. Grief is a potent experience. Erin, before I ask my last question, where can people <laughs> find you online? ErinVanderkoy.com. <laughs> um, uh, and then is Erin Vanderkoy Wellness. So you can book a free consultation on there if you want to chat about anything holistic health. And then um, powercommunity.co 
is the Portland, Oregon Women Entrepreneur Roundtable. Um, PDX Collaborative is on Facebook, so you'd have to just Google PDX Collaborative, and I would love for people to come to that and spread the word. It's so much fun. Uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook. I will be on Instagram soon. <laughs> Been on my list forever. I'll get there. <laughs> Aaron, this is this has been such an incredible conversation. I selfishly do not want to wrap up, but I, I realize I've already kept you longer than I had promised you I would. So I want to be respectful of your time and everybody else's. I'm wondering if you you seem like something you you're you seem like you're such a conscious and aware person, and I, I again. You, you keep seeming like it comes back to leaning into your heart, leaning into your heart, leaning into your heart. I think that's so incredible. And I'm wondering during this last several months of taking time off, I know you've had the Amazon, you know, you've, you're, you're on the plastic thing now. Has there been, what is, what is it that drives you? you know, what is it that you, when you, when you wake up in the morning and you think about like, what is the thought that you think or, what is it that you focus on that, that compels you each and every day to lean into your heart as you do? Well, I mean, the first natural thing that would pop up for me would be, I, I want to help people. I want to make a difference. You know, I want to, I want to make impact in a positive way. Um, so that would be the first thing that, that springs up. And also, um, I just want to see the beauty in things, you know, I want to, I want to experience life all of it um yeah i don't know <laughs> thank you for all your kind words though <laughs> yeah. everyone this was a gosh what a fascinating conversation that you're going to want to rewatch and re-listen erin took us down the journey of first of all taking on her own behavior around amazon and looking at how she you know, with her and the three other ladies she, she, that are in the house and how many times Amazon was showing up each day and the amount of different trucks that were showing up and realizing that there might be an opportunity for some self-improvement reflection there. After she waded through the first initial week of dopamine hits and going dopamine deprivation, she started to realize that there was a wonderful opportunity to go and support local businesses at the same time deconditioning her need to necessarily go and impulsive, impulsively buy anything than everything that popped up, which Amazon affords us the convenience to. It seemed that Amazon parlayed into the opportunity then too to examine plastics and the, how the use of plastics and the use of it shows up in our life. And I think plastics too can also be a beautiful metaphor of what's that one thing that we all could do that can make a difference. And you know, that seems to be something with Erin that was almost thematic throughout this is that she's not afraid to find that one thing, that one little place that she can make a difference. And, and you know, tilt her metaphorical domino, if you will, to help build the momentum to bring the other dominoes after it. So what's the one thing that you could do? Where's that one thing you could make a difference? Where's that one piece, whether it's plastic or Amazon or going out and supporting a local business or getting the organic sheets? What is that one thing that you could start to do today that maybe your heart's been telling you should, but your mind has been brainwashing you out of the convenience of it all? Where could that go? I love that we touched on asking questions too and, and the wide-eyed curiosity that she's always had that's allowed her to be so excited if someone changes her mind. Gosh, what a notion that would be. What a notion that would be to engage in conversations with others, maybe uncomfortable discussions, which there's a lot of those topics going around the world right now. 
and not going into it feeling like we have to defend our point of view, but instead going in there wildly curious and excited for someone to change our mind. Or at the very least, someone to teach us something new. And wouldn't that be a beautiful thing for us to embrace learning as much as we embrace needing to be right and making somebody else wrong? Whew, what a world that would be. Fasting, fasting forward, fasting forward to the end. Huh, fasting, fast forward to the end. <laughs> Aaron's doing some incredible things with women entrepreneurs. And whether you're in the Portland area or she's opening up to the others outside of the Portland area right now, you want to reach out and connect with her. And it's a really incredible thing too. And I love the idea that the person who might be doing something similar to you could be your biggest ally. Gosh, wouldn't it be incredible if we all began to look at one another as allies when we have similarities instead of the competition or the, the person we have to watch out for, instead of telling us ourselves those silent stories that we do, instead we turn and embrace that other person as a brother, a sister, or whomever, somebody who's, who's likely sharing a similar mission, passion, purpose as we are, and find out ways that we can mutually support one another. And last but not least, considering how do you wake up and start your day? Whether it's waking up to help people or just waking up excited and curious about wanting to experience life to the fullest. You know, many of us are going through challenging times right now during COVID, or you might be going through a challenging time if you're watching this years past COVID. But remember, there's still an opportunity to one, wake up with an intention of serving. Perhaps that could be one thing you could ask yourself right now is how can I serve today? And two, being wildly curious about something in the world. While the internet and Amazon may afford us many conveniences and possibilities, there is still a plethora out there to explore. And it might just be the way you show up with others, the way you could get excited about having your mindset and your mind changed, or anything else that Aaron shared or didn't share today, but maybe it sparked something in you. Get curious about that as you go into the world because you just might not know, you may not know what joys and adventure awaits you. Aaron, this has been, what a gift this has been. Thank you so very much for sharing. This was everything I hoped it be, would be, except for not nearly enough time. And I, I'm so grateful you shared with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you so much. Absolutely. We will see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to